morning, Liverpool, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the lands where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Another busy weekend in sport, Jono. Um, the football world saw um, derbies all over the world uh, being played this weekend, but we'll start with the Matildas. Um, finally playing a home game after 600, almost 600 days away, defeated Brazil 3-1 on Saturday night at Combeck Stadium. Um, about 15,000 fans turned out, so good to see support from the Matildas, especially uh, for their homecoming. Yep. Uh, game two will be played on Tuesday night, Australian time, again at Combeck Stadium. So, again, good to see the Matildas uh, back on home soil. Uh, it was Premier League week nine, Jono, and a headline by the massive clash between Manchester United and Liverpool, an extraordinary game that took place at Old Trafford. We'll go into a little bit more detail uh, in regards to week nine and that game a little bit later on in the pod. Italian Serie A and AC Milan continued their undefeated start to the season, defending Bologna 4-2. Roma and Napoli drew 0-0, the first drop points for Napoli this year. While in the uh, Derby d'Italia, Inter Milan and Juventus drew 1-1 at the San Siro. So uh, AC Milan draw level with Napoli at the top of the table um, and extend that. Both those teams actually extended their lead this weekend uh, in Italian Serie A. Spanish La Liga, Sevilla defeated Levante 5-3 in a thrilling game over in Spain. Real Madrid, they got the uh, first Clasico win of the year, defeating Barcelona 2-1. It was also the first Clasico not to feature either Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi since 2005. So Crazy. a new generation coming through. Um, David Alaba scored a great goal oh. for Real Madrid if you've uh, seen the highlights. And actually in the top of the table clash, Atletico Madrid drew 2-2 Real Sociedad. Um, Atletico Madrid coming back from 2-0 down to get a point at home against uh, surprise leaders in Spain. German Bundesliga, Borussia Dortmund defeated Amina Bellefield 3-1. Bayern Munich continued their hot start to the year, defeating Hoffenheim 4-0. RB Leipzig defeated Goethe Firth 4-1, while FC Cologne and Bayer Leverkusen drew 2-2. So Bayern Munich obviously stay top in Germany. In French League 1, it was the Classique over in France. Marseille drew 0-0 with PSG. Uh, so PSG obviously staying on top in France. In the Eredivisie in Holland, Ajax defeated PSV Eidenhoven 5-0 on the top Dude. of the table clash in Holland. That Ajax team are looking some team. They've Obviously, we've seen him in the Champions League this yep. year. So looks like another great generation coming through in Holland. In the Scottish Premiership, Celtic defeated St. Johnson 2-0. Where Rangers continued to stay top with defeating St. Mirren 2-1. While well, in the FFA Cup knockout tournament here in Australia, Brisbane Roar defeated Queensland Lions 4-0 to book their first quarterfinal spot ever in the FFA Cup. The T20 Cricket World Cup was the start of the Super 12 over the weekend. Australia started their T20 uh, campaign with a five-wicket win over South Africa. South Africa made 9 for 118 off their 20 overs with Josh Hazelwood taking 2 for 19 and Adam Zampa taking 2 for 21. Uh, while for... South Africa, Aiden Markram top scored with 40. Australian reply chased the target down with two balls to spare as they finished with five for one, two, one. Steve Smith's top scoring with 35 will unreach. Norgi took two for 21 for the South Africans. Defending champions, the West Indies collapsed in their opening game against England to be bowled out for 55. England cruised to victory, finishing on four for 56. Uh, they got the target in less than 10 overs. While in the big rivalry, Pakistan defeated India by 10 wickets. India made 7 for 151 with captain Virat Kohli top scoring with 57. 
Pakistan chased down the total, though, without losing wicket, finishing on none for 152. Mohamed Rizwan scored 79, and Baba Azam scored 68. It was the highest first wicket partnership in the men's T20 World Cup history. So um, the big boys starting their T20 campaign. F1, it was the United States GP, and Max Verstappen took out the race to extend his lead at the top of the Drivers' Championship to 12 points. With rival Lewis Hamilton finished second, while Sergio Perez finished third. NFL, Jonah, and it was week seven. Again, some big talking points coming out uh, of the NFL this weekend. Yeah, another big week again in the NFL, and some starting with some huge results as well as Green Bay has really come to the table now. They've now improved to six six and one with their huge win, twenty four to ten over the Washington Football Team. I think one thing that you can really highlight for Green Bay is as much off the field drama that they had at the start of the season with everything surrounding Aaron Rodgers. They've kind of put that to the side, and they just decided that they want to win, and they want to win now. They're going to have a huge clash coming up against the Arizona Cardinals, who are currently undefeated um, this next week, so it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on them. The, uh, we also saw as well this week the Bengals really making a statement as well against the Ravens, winning 41-17 to um, behind Joe Burrow's three touchdowns. It actually makes now the Bengals are in control of the AFC North over the Ravens, which is which is quite remarkable as well, just looking at how, how fresh that Bengals team really is as well in terms of experience in comparison to what the Ravens have been as of recent. And then lastly, just kind of finishing off as well, is the Chiefs just continue to struggle. I don't think it's anything to be crazy alarmed with, but you have to be a bit worried now. Um, they're starting 3-4 and four with a 27-3 loss against the Titans. It's more about the lack of production in my eyes, um, offensively, and the willing and the other teams are just the ability for them to just be able to score at will. It seems like, um, as I said, look, they're three and four. They're not sitting too far behind as of right now. There's still a lot of time in the season, but you should start being slightly worried. I wouldn't say that they're fully missing out on anything as of yet, but they really need to kick it into high gear if they want to keep on, you know, getting a chance to be into the playoffs this year. Um, and as we head to the midpoint of the season soon, they really need to get a couple wins in these next couple weeks. As always, intriguing storylines coming out of the NFL. Major League Baseball, and we have our Major League Baseball World Series set, John. It's going to be the Atlanta Braves versus the Houston Astros. Both teams secured their uh, spot in the World Series after winning their respective series 4-2 over the Boston Red Sox and LA Dodgers. So uh, should hopefully be set for a cracking Major League Baseball World Series there between the Braves and the Astros. Bit of horse racing over the weekend and dramatic Cox Plate took place at Mooney Valley Racecourse in Melbourne with a state of play claiming a stunning photo finish win over Animo. A protest was launched after the race by Craig Williams who rode Animo as it appeared both horses touched as they battled towards the finish line. The protest though was ultimately dismissed. So a good win over there in the horse racing at the Cox Plate. Bit of tennis news. In the WTA, so the Women's Tennis Association have stated unvaccinated players will be allowed to play in the Australian Open if they complete two weeks of hotel quarantine. The Victorian government says the matter is still to be settled, but Jono, it's a story that continues to rumble on, I'm sure. Um, we haven't heard the last of it yet. Yeah, and I would say that this as well is going to definitely be more affecting the Australian Open than more of, let's say, the other big Grand Slam tournaments, just because of the rules and regulations in relation to COVID-19 in Australia and how strict that they've been. So it's going to be an ongoing story. It's going to be really interesting to see as well if the Victorian rules and even Australia as a whole kind of bend for these athletes or what they're going to do in terms of these unvaccinated players. Um, so something to definitely keep an eye on. And even to keep an eye on if, if you know, maybe the Australian Open might be the, the example as well for these next couple Grand Slams as well going into the next years. Because as we can see, COVID-19 is still very much present 
um, all over the world. It's just because you know we've had some high vaccination numbers doesn't mean it's gone. So we definitely have to keep protecting against it. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what actually happens with this. And like I said, it could be really an example as well for the rest of the Grand Slams. So something to really keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, I think it's a story that's going to continue to rumble on uh, as we lead up to the Australian Open in January next year. A little bit of rugby news. And Australia defeated Japan 32 points to 23 uh, over in Japan on the weekend. While, uh, John, your boys, the USA, took on the mighty All Blacks and just... (laughs) A little bit weren't good enough. New Zealand, 104, USA, 14. But uh, I'm sure a great experience for all those uh, United States players yeah. playing the mighty All Blacks. Well, John, it was week nine of the English Premier League. Obviously, headlined by that massive game between Manchester United and Liverpool. But uh, a bit of a crazy weekend. What were some of your key takeaways uh, from the Premier League this weekend? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Uh, I'll steer a little bit away from that Liverpool match for now. We can talk about that in a little bit. But I guess just for me is that you know you look at that um, Chelsea result as well, seven nil. It kind of is two sides there. It's twofolded. It's the greatness of Chelsea, but it's also just terrible play in my eyes from Norwich. And I think it just shows that, in my mind, Norwich is 100% relegated at this point. I think there's not even saving of their season the way that they're playing. Um, as great as Chelsea played, I think it's just a really poor performance by Norwich. It just shows that they just aren't ready for it right now. You know, maybe maybe they're just not set up for it. Maybe they just doesn't have the will. But, you know, I, I had some hopes coming into the season that they would at least perform a little bit better than this. But to just get seven goals against you, just you can't be doing that in the Premier League. Um, no matter you know if you're if you're new newly promoted or not, or you know it's just it's just sad to see that you really just don't want to see that in terms of a competitive league like that. Yeah, it was a real capitulation by that Norwich team, and obviously a Chelsea team without Lukaku or Werner. Yeah. So it just shows you the goal scoring threat they do uh, provide. And it was great to see. Uh, I guess Academy product Mason Mount get his first yeah. hat trick for Chelsea. No, it was definitely great to see. And then also looking as well, I think that Arsenal have been quietly moving up the ladder a little bit. Not too high. They're now sitting in the middle of the table. But, you know, them getting wins here and there, you know, we kind of talked to them at the beginning of the year that, you know, the struggles that they're having and, and it was just kind of all over the place. I'm not saying that they're necessarily a top four team or anything, but they're slowly moving up and now they are actually within three points of being that in that top four technically. So I think they've slowly moved up. And what they're showing is, you know, they are kind of that hot and cold team, though. Um, So sometimes they can bring it. Sometimes they seem to not. But they're slowly getting it done. And I think that they're actually going to be finishing a lot higher than what we maybe anticipated after seeing their first couple games. So I'll give a little bit of props to Arsenal as of right now. I'm not going to be counting them as a top four favorite or even then that top five. But maybe they'll be sneaking in there in the you know, six, seven spot or something like that. So they're showing a little bit of strength there, but they still have a lot of work. Well, it seems like Arteta's settled on his uh, what his starting 11 is at the moment. And also on the weekend, um, five, uh, I guess, the new players that have come into the Arsenal system, including Ben White. Yeah, Thomas finally started to get a bit of consistency yep. in that midfield. Um, obviously, White and Gabriel at the back. So it seems like he's settled on what his starting level will be and sort of, yeah. I guess, a pattern of play moving forward. So as you said, it will be interesting to see how Arsenal 
Uh, go, they've built up a little bit of an underrated um, series of games. I uh, haven't lost in a while, so um, as I said, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it continues. Yeah, and, and speaking about settling on kind of your starters and everything, I think looking at Man City as well, they've been playing exceptional. Um, but, you know, they suffer from the fact of just having so many quality players, it's hard to get a consistent lineup. And I think one thing that showed in this last week in particular is the play of Phil Foden. And, you know, he's he he is their future ticket. You know, you want to win now, you have the players that can win now, but you need to also build around him for the future. And I think that it's actually really important that City start really start building around him as well and making sure that he is getting that consistent time week in and week out you're giving him at least even if he's not starting you're giving him a run every single week to give him that opportunity because he's the last player as of right now if you look at all that youth all that talent on that team that's the guy probably that you can see okay let's take him into the future long term and you don't want him to start getting you know thinking about going to these other big teams because he will get offers he definitely has the talent to get offers from all different types of teams and when you have so much talent you have that constant rotation as those players keep developing, they want probably that consistent play. So you have to make sure that you give him that consistent playing time. Like I said, even if he's not starting, he needs to get a couple minutes most games just to keep him in that flow as well. Because as he proved this weekend, he just he just played incredible. And his distribution, his movement up top is just is just remarkable at this point. Yeah, a couple of things with Foden. I think right now he's certainly the uh, English player that's most informed in terms of that attacking mm. quartet that Southgate can choose from. Also his ability to play multiple positions. Yeah, yep. Um is perfectly set up for that Manchester City team as they, as we know, with all Guardiola teams, uh, the movement of plays in and out of positions is, is super important to, to how they play. And also his ability to start adding goals to his game. I think that's obviously yeah. going to take his level, his, his game to another level. Uh, but there's certainly the 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 talent of Foden. Um, so young as well. So young. Yeah. Um, he's obviously, he'll keep growing and obviously... Um, he'll get better, so it's great to see him getting consistent run of game time in the, in the Man City lineup because it is so strong, um, and obviously he's producing the goods and, and Guardiola yeah. um, is keeping in the team. So great to see Phil Foden um, showing the goods for Manchester City. Well, I guess John, only one place we can start: Manchester United, Liverpool. We obviously the rivalry is strong. Possibly the two, or historically wise, two biggest clubs in England. Yep. Um, obviously, two of the biggest clubs worldwide. Going into this game, people were possibly giving Man United a bit of a chance. You know, obviously that dramatic win over Atalanta in the Champions League during the week. Obviously, playing Liverpool at Old Trafford in front of seventy-five thousand people. Surely, Man United would, you know, their level would pick up. This was the game um, that they could possibly turn on to display. How wrong we could be. Yeah. 13 minutes in, it was already 2-0. Um, the game ended Liverpool 5, Manchester United nils 4-0 at half-time. I guess watching the game, John, there were some, I guess some key takeaways from me watching it. First of all, I think what the game did emphasise was the golfing class between Liverpool and Manchester United at this stage. The golf is, is huge. Manchester United are not even on the same planet as Liverpool at this stage. Uh, time of their development. With all that investment in the in the summer, Manchester United seem further further away than ever yeah. um, from that Liverpool team. Just the movement of that of that team of Klopp's men, that front three, Salah's just unstoppable alone. Obviously, the first player to score a hat trick in Premier League history yeah. um, against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Um, but the movement was too much for United defence. 
which struggled to contain it. There was too much space lent to them. Yeah. Um, some of the goals just opened up. Um, and like we've talked before, there was no clear way of how United want to play. I don't know why United thought pressing Liverpool would be a good idea, but they just left themselves so exposed at the back. Players were being dragged everywhere. I've been critical of Fred and McTominay before, and I'm I still think they're not good enough if United in if United have ambition of winning Premier Leagues and Champions League, but they weren't given much support either. The front three of United were not tracking back, and Liverpool just overloaded at that front bit. Both their wingers, as we know, Robertson and Alexander Arnold, love to get forward, and they just kept overlapping um, and outnumbering. Shaw and Wambasaka always had an extra man, um, and just. United, just there's no clarity in, in what they want to do and, and what Solskjaer is telling them to do in terms of the way they want to play. United's defence is a shambles. Absolute shambles. Maguire, I'm not sure what's happened to him, but he is not looking like an $80 million Manchester United captain right now. His slowness of the ball was just you could, yeah. evident to see. Firmino was just running rings around him um, today. And then obviously Salah and... Diego Yotta, and then obviously Mane came on later. We just had the space of Old Trafford. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. There's no leadership um, in that middle of the defence, which is so key, which is how you're going to build a structure and move forward. As I said, again, the midfield was overrun and exposed. Uh, the distribution from Fred and McTominay was poor. Uh, but to be fair to them, they under huge amounts of pressure in there. And uh, Henderson, Cater, uh, Milner, and then just dominated in that midfield. Um, you know, I couldn't get the ball down. Yes, they created a few chances. And obviously, before that, Liverpool first goal, Fernandez had a chance, which he should have done better with. Yep. Um, but I, have, I even thought Liverpool probably had another gear to go to. That's a scary thing, I think. At some points, they almost played, not played within themselves, but I think they didn't really, especially that second half, they were just knocking it around. Yep. And it was almost like a training run. Um, and obviously, the Pogba send-off, I think was really indicative of, of the day. Um, it was an awful challenge. He deserved to go. Um, and changes need to be made. I think enough is enough. I don't think the board's got the guts to fire Solskjaer right now. I think he will survive, even though I don't think he's the man for the job. Um, you've got Antonio Conte. You've got Zidane sitting on the outside looking in, whether or not they're going to be started to be contacted to see if they're available and they'd be interested. Um but Manchester United, you know, it was a dark, dark day. It's probably one of the worst performances I've seen in my living memory of, of a United team at Old Trafford. Um, and so many questions. But that performance, I don't think it's a huge surprise. I think that performance was, was coming. I don't think Man United have been convincing yeah. at all this year. I think the performances have been poor. We've, we've dragged some results out with some last-minute goals. Obviously, Ronaldo saved us on a couple of occasions. But the performances have not been there. There was not one 90-minute performance this year where you can say Manchester United have been, have been impressive for the whole game. As I've stated before, there's a lack of a collective. It's Man United are made up of individual moments this year. There's no collective. Liverpool are the epitome of a collective with that Klopp team. It's just an amazing team. The way they pressure, the way they work from the front all the way to the back is just so impressive. Yep. They will be there again for the Premier League tilt. Um, as well as the Champions League. I think Liverpool could will go deep in that competition as well. But Manchester United, my God, there is a long way to go. Not only, so, not only do I think Solskjaer, does he need to leave, but there's some players there which are not good enough for Manchester United standards. It's the biggest club in the world. You can't be losing 5-0 to Liverpool. So 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's just changes need to be made. Um, it's well or not the, the board has the guts to make big calls um, and say enough is enough because um, it can't continue like that. United have got Spurs away. Atalanta in Italy next week in the Champions League and then the derby against Manchester City. I could potentially say United not picking up a point yeah. out of all those three games. Then we've got Chelsea coming up after that. So this is could get a whole lot worse before it gets better. Um, you could throw a blanket over the team sitting in that mid, that fourth spot down. There's no guarantees Manchester United are going to make the top four this year after what I've seen so far. Um, and as I said, huge changes need to be made. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few days, what the board come out to say, um, and what happens to Solskjaer in that team. But a very, very disappointing and very dark day for Manchester United Football Club. In a little bit more positive news for Watford fans, I thought the win over Everton, so Claudio Ranieri's yep. first win as Watford manager, what a bonkers game this was. Everton 2-1 up with 12 minutes to go, and they lost 5-2 to Goodison. Joshua King, the former Everton player, coming back to score a hat-trick. Um for Watford so I thought a real confidence boosting win for Watford um, and that takes him a little bit further away from the relegation battle so hopefully um, some more positive results for Claudio Ranieri to follow but a little bit of concern there for Everton after a positive start to the year yeah. um, for Benitez and his men the other point I thought this weekend was I thought Manchester City like you mentioned before Manchester City Liverpool and Chelsea this weekend was the first weekend where I thought they're really putting a marker down as the three teams that they're going to contest this Premier League definitely Obviously, Chelsea defended a very disappointing note. Man City had a tough way, tough away game against Brighton. who had a great start to the year and won 4-1. Well, obviously, we talked about the Liverpool experience or game against Man United. But I think they really put a marker down. And I think it is out of those three teams to win the yeah. Premier League. I think you can throw a blanket over probably fourth to about eighth or ninth at the moment in terms of uh, where teams could potentially finish. Um, but the big boys... They really came out to play and they really put down a mark and showed how impressive they are and how much better their squads are oh, yeah. compared to the rest of the league. So as I said, um, some big games to come up uh, the next few weeks and obviously Champions League tossed in there as well. So I'm interested to see how that, uh, un, you know, how that goes in the Premier League. Also over the weekend, Jono, it was the, the start of the NBA. So we've had tip-off. Um, obviously the, the off-season has been dominated by the Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving um, Controversies, but uh, what have you made of the opening weekend of the NBA? And it's obviously great to see uh, the NBA back in action. Yeah, it's just great to be back, I guess, in that sense. And as you said, headlines have mainly been around, you know, a lot of the stuff going around with Ben Simmons, um, a lot of the offseason dealing as well with Kyrie Irving and whether he's going to be able to play or not, or what's, you know, the situation with him. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to follow both of those as well as we kind of continue. I mean, with Ben Simmons, I mean, clearly. Look, as much as, you know, the Sixers want to say it's not affecting how they practice, how they play and everything. I mean, he came into practice and got suspended from the practice right away. So clearly he's having an impact on how that team dynamic is happening. And I would say that probably the same thing's happening with Kyrie Irving as well. That they just need to know, basically, if he's going to be eligible to play or not. Because they either have to move on with him or move on without him. And the same thing goes with Ben Simmons. It needs to be that understanding, hey man, are we going to be having you on our team 100%? Or are you not actually going to be here? Because we need to know what's going on. Because both of those teams are t potential title contenders. So they need to really understand what's going on with those squads. Um, but we'll see how the effects are. Both, you know, off to an okay start. I mean, it's very, very early days. And they're also trying to figure out their teams as of right now. 
But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on both of them because I, I they're both key players um, to, to their teams. And as I said, con- title contenders, 76ers and Brooklyn Nets, both title contenders. And to have one of their kind of big stars questionable for the season is, is, is a huge thing. So it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on. Do you think both teams can still could potentially still win an NBA title even without Kyrie or Ben? I think the Brooklyn Nets can. I don't know. Because you still obviously got KD. Yeah. You've got James Harden. I know there's a bit of contractual stuff happening with Harden, but right now... You just have now, the support cast as well in Brooklyn. And whereas, I think Patty Mills was a great pickup for, exactly. for the Nets. As much as the lack of offensive production that Ben Simmons had, his defensive ability, I mean, he's always up there for defensive player of the year. So you, you, you think about what he brings, and he did have really good ball handling ability as well. Whereas, you know, Kyrie Irving, exceptional player, could come up at any moment. His probably the best handles in the game but you also then have a team with someone like Kevin Durant someone like James Harden who has pretty much brought up you know teams on their own as well so now you know, have that little bit of extra support Joel Embiid in the 76ers can probably take the Sixers quite far but can he take them over the edge you know is you know Seth Curry going to continue to produce for them that, that he does every now and then so it's going to be interesting to see but I think the, the Nets could go further than, than the 76ers without Kyrie or Ben Simmons. The defending champions, Milwaukee, back with Giannis. Yep. Um, do you think they are set again to, to have a tilt at defending their title? Yeah, I mean, they're looking pretty good. Um, I think as well that Giannis just wants to keep winning. I think he's it's actually great to see as well. I actually really feel that he's not somebody who's concerned about you know the personal awards or anything like that. He just wants to win, and you could tell. He wants to have fun, and he wants to win, and he really enjoys himself, which is great. Um, and I think that... Milwaukee has built a really, really good team, and it's a really, it's really refreshing as well to see essentially a small market team be able to come to light like that and be able to continue to produce. Because we saw it, you know, when when uh, quite Leonard went over to Toronto and everything, you know, you saw then uh, you know Toronto got on the map, but then as soon as he left, Toronto has dropped off basically. Whereas now it seems like Giannis wants to stay there. He wants to build a bit of a dynasty there with Milwaukee, and I'd really love to see that continue. And he's just proving that you know he he can really do it and he can hold his own amongst the best. I think that's an important factor there, Jono, that Giannis wants to stay. Obviously, yeah. there's always been those rumors to to LA or to those bigger markets. Yep. Uh, but he's committed himself to Milwaukee, and it's great to see a superstar yes, of the then, NBA yeah. staying um, in the in the team that drafted him and sort of having faith in in that organization. Yeah. Another team, I guess. On a bit of a comeback trail, the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, we know of their injury woes they've had over the last season or so. But Steph Curry started off with a hot hand. Oh, Steph Curry's playing on another level right now, which is great to see. I mean, he's coming back. You know, he had a pretty much. I mean, pretty much everyone on the Warriors had a had an injury ridden season last year. Um, whereas now Steph Curry's coming back. He seems to be in full health. Seems to be enjoying himself again. When he's pulling up from anywhere, that just shows that he's enjoying himself. And again, they haven't even had Clay Thompson back yet. And they're already off to a hot 3-0 start as well. So it'll be really good to to see what happens when he gets back in. I think they have a really good young supporting cast as yep. well. Um, but if Steph Curry can continue this form with the addition of Clay Thompson coming back, and if Clay has glimpses of what he was as well prior to all his injuries, they're just going to be in. They're, they're definitely going to be in for um, title contention as well. A fit Steph Curry just adds so much to the mm. NBA, and it'd be good to see the Golden State Warriors back up where they deserve. The other big offseason story was obviously the Lakers recruitment. Um, obviously, there was a lot of uh, memes traveling around in terms of the age of that yeah. uh, 
of that roster. Um, they had an important win today over the Grizzlies, so their first win of their campaign. But uh, what have you made of the Lakers so far? And obviously that little stoush between Anthony Davis and uh, Dwight Howard, which both players have come out and said there yeah. wasn't anything in it. But um, what have you thought of early on of the Lakers? They are your Phoenix Suns touched uh, touched them up at uh, Staples Center. Yeah, I think that the Lakers look. I mean, of course they have the personnel to potentially win. It's just going to be about fitting it all together. I think it's the same thing as Brooklyn. They just need to play together. Um, Brooklyn had, you know, this team of superstars, but they didn't really get to play together last year because of so many injuries. So again, basically in my eyes, Lakers and Brooklyn are in the same starting point where they just need to play together to see how they gel, to see how they bring all these personalities together. I think the biggest difference with the Lakers is the Lakers have all these players that have won, have been successful, and they're all the superstars of their own teams. They're now all coming together. Even though some might be in that older age, they know that they're not what they once were. They still, in their minds, probably believe that they are at that MVP level and everything as well. Whereas I think Brooklyn's a little bit different where they have those top superstars and they know that the rest of them are all role players. Um, but it'll be really, really interesting to see the Lakers and just see how all those personalities fit, how all those big names, who's going to shine the most out of them. Is it going to be Russell Westbrook? Is he going to step up? Or is he going to be hidden behind maybe even Carmelo Anthony's shadow? Or is Dwight Howard going to start stepping up again and just have a remarkable season? We don't know. Um, we just know that LeBron James is probably going to be carrying majority of the weight again because he's just an incredible athlete. So it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on the Lakers. Well, great to have the NBA back up and running. Obviously, a long season, so uh, lots of games to come. Uh, but we can see, obviously, follow those storylines and see how um, the teams progress. But as always, Jono, we'll end with five quick questions. This week, you're going to be asking me. Yep, you ready? Let's go. First one's Man United base, of course. Should Man United be benching Ronaldo and bring on Cavani? It's a question that uh, has been raised, and I think I think it's a valid one. I think Cavani offers a lot more in terms of if you do want to play a pressing game or obviously want some pressure from the front, Cavani's going to offer you that. Ronaldo is not going to do that. He's there to score goals. He's not going to press for you. So, um, But as I said, that comes back to the clarity of how Manchester United want mm-hmm. to play, which... Mm-hmm. There is no clarity about it. They, they started as a counter-attacking team, and all of a sudden they've wanted to press the last couple of games and have got absolutely destroyed. So that, again, comes back down to the clarity of, of how Solskjaer wants to play. The other big thing is, why is Jaden Sancho a $70 million player sitting on the bench? Didn't even get a minute today against Liverpool. So, again, more questions than answers coming out of Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. We just They need to figure out how they want to play, who's going to be playing as well before they make all those decisions. Um, moving on to actually Liverpool now. Do you see Mo Salah leaving Liverpool in the near future? I mean, look at his hot form. It's always been talked about that the big clubs want him. And I think what he's shown so far is that he is potentially the world's best um, at, at this mo- at this moment. So you know that he's going to have some suitors out there. So do you see him actually leaving Liverpool in the well, near future? Well, he's actually come out and said he wants to finish his career at Liverpool. So I think Liverpool will do everything to keep him. Um, and I think if Mo Salah is happy there, I think he will stay, actually. I think... If he was going to go, it would have to be the next season or so because he's yep. nearing 30. Yep. Um, so it's not too much longer before he can make a big move like that. But I think he's, he'll stay at Liverpool. We'll see if money speaks, though. So that'll be the, that'll be the thing that we uh, keep an eye on. Um, still sticking with a little bit of United here. Who's going to be the first team to have a new manager? Is it going to be Barcelona or Manchester United? Oh, that's a tough one. I actually think it's going to be Manchester United because they've got the money to afford a new manager. <laughs> Barcelona to have no money. So I don't think Barcelona will be attracting any big managers at this stage. So I'm going to say Manchester United because they've still got the financial clout. 
that's I guess that's kind of fair there too. Yeah, Barcelona do not have the money to do most things. Um, switching over to the NBA, Zion Williamson has yet to play a game. Supposedly, he has weighed in at over 300 pounds, which potentially could make him the heaviest player in the NBA. Is this a concern, not only just for the Pelicans, but for the NBA, because really he's been marketed as the future of the NBA? Well, I guess I guess everyone's got their own playing weight, um, but um, it'll be interesting to see if Zion's still got a, that physicality is part of his game, but obviously you need that mobility in an NBA because the big man isn't as relevant in the NBA um, like we've seen when Sha- Shaquille O'Neal yeah. used to play. Um, so I think Zion will want to get a little bit trimmer yeah. um, if he's going to be impact for the for the Pelicans. Yeah, especially if he's doing those high-flying dunks. His knees would be yep. killing him. Yeah. Um, last one, we have Thursday Night Football, which is going to be aired here Friday afternoon in Australia. We have the Cardinals, 7-0 versus the 6-1 and one Packers. What a game. Who's going to be winning that game? Who are you taking? You know what I'm going to say? I'm saying the Cardinals are going to go 8-0. and zero. There we go. I'm going with you, Carlos. John. I'm jumping on go. the bandwagon. I like um, it. But it should be a ripping oh, game. That's gonna, that is going to be a great game. And that's going to be a true test for the Cardinals as well to see if they are as good as what their record speaks right now, as well as for the Packers as well. It'll be a great test for both teams. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited to watch that uh, Friday afternoon here in Australia. It should be a great game. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for your support and good night.